being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. The Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560 The Source. All right, Drive Radio KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. Myself, Steve Horvath, Geno's Auto Service in Littleton with us today. By the way, you can find Steve at genosautoservice.com, and that's Geno's with the J. Best thing to do, though, is to find everybody we have as sponsors at drive-radio.com. Easiest way to find us. Paul Lohenberger with us as well from uh, American National Insurance, or Chrome. Uh, if you don't want to use it that way, you can as well. Larry Younger answering phones, and Charlie Grimes, our engineer. Lines are open, 303 303- Four seven seven five six zero zero. Andy and Aurora is next. Yes, sir. Hi, love your show. Very informative. Thank you, Andy. Listen to it all the time. Quick question, sir. Uh, Two thousand thirteen uh, Honda CRV. Uh, there was a control on the steering wheel that can control the volume and the change of the stations on the radio. That has stopped working, uh, but you can't do it on the dashboard on the radio itself. I read something on the internet that was fuse number 28 and 27 or somewhere like that. That is not the case at all. It seems to be any ideas. Those have, and so I'm going to refer be- to Steve on this one as well, but those have what they call a clock ring that's inside the steering wheel. And we've used those now for a very, very long time. It's nothing new to the automotive industry. It's been around forever. Those clock rings, which is what those controls are running their connections through, is probably the best way for me to say that back to the radio. If that clock ring starts to go bad or deteriorates or gets dust, dirt, grime, anything like that in it, it can have an effect on it. Because typically, if both have quit working, in other words, your volume and the tune, because usually one's on one side, one's on the other, if neither one of those are working, it's most likely going to be in that clock ring. Does everything else on the steering wheel control-wise work? Yes. No airbag lights on, nothing like that? No, sir. Uh, how about the horn? No. The horn's totally The horn too. works. Good. Good. Everything works except that. So it could be that clock ring or the or the switches themselves mm-hmm. on the on the steering, you know. We, we work, you work them a lot. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's it possible and Again, anything's possible. You'd have to just somebody would need to investigate that and find out exactly what's going on, but my gut feeling is given that they both went bad at the same time, uh, I'm guessing it's in the wheel assembly in that clock ring portion. That's my guess. It needs to, it needs, it needs to be replaced. More How many miles are on it, too, by the okay. way, Andy? I didn't ask. Oh, God. Uh, 37,000 hmm. miles. I mean, That's all? It, it's not driven a lot. No, that's it. Yeah. Uh, whew, that That's... That makes That's me think. Very low, I yeah, know. That, yeah. That being that low, my gut feeling now is, and for everybody that just listened to all of that, high mile vehicles, clock ring. Yes, that's pretty common. 
and that'd be the first place I'd look. Given that you only have 37,000 miles on this, Andy, I'd probably look at some other places, and somebody's going to need a diagnosis and find out what's going on because it probably isn't in that clock, clock ring like I just thought, not at 37,000. Sorry, I should have asked you that first. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. My, no, I, it's not driven a lot at all. Okay. I, and I and I don't uh, know enough about that one. I'd have to look at a wiring diagram and find out, you know, where are those, you know, where are the wires from those switches actually going. Uh, it could be even something at the radio itself because those do have an, an an external input that's coming in from the steering wheel back to the radio itself. And last but not least, Andy, it could be the radio itself. Yeah, I was going to say the radio is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, too. very well could be. Now, on the radio itself, I can't change volume and I can't change stations. No problem. Yeah, it, it just I may not be getting the signal from the switches or internally the radio could yeah. not be t selecting it for you. That's, yeah, and again, keep in mind, sense. two different <laughs> things. So when you're talking, this is everybody listening, steering wheel control-wise, and you'll even see aftermarket radios that talk about, you know, is is compatible with steering wheel controls and so on because they have to be able to take the input from the steering wheel put it into the radio head and do what's needed the computer basically in the radio and do what's needed that is a separate circuit if you would inside the radio head itself different from you manually changing it with the knob or the buttons or the volume or whatever you're doing on the face of the radio okay not one and the same well so I, I'd have somebody trace through that, Andy, with that low of miles, trace through it, find out what's going on. That car is not that old. It's definitely worth doing. And that is, even if you went to sell that car, that's a feature people are going to want to have working, and it would detract from its value if they're not. Which makes sense. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Andy. Thank you. And, yeah, those uh, those steering wheel controls, honestly, that's like the that's like one of the greatest inventions <laughs> ever. Pretty handy, aren't they? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, of all the modern things we have uh, on vehicles, that's one of those that when you have it, you don't want to go without it. They've they've just come that far. All right, let's start the conversation, uh, Paul, because it came up last week, partly why you're here today, and that is the rental car sides of the fence. So where this whole conversation started last week is we had a caller that called in that had a good friend of his that had taken a nice long trip. I can't remember where, but had taken a nice long trip. And before the rental, before the car rental, took pictures all the way around. When they dropped it off, took pictures all the way around. Everything was exactly the same before and after. But about a week later, they get home. They get a phone call from the rental car company saying, hey, this thing's got all kinds of damage on the underside of the vehicle. You're the last one driving it. We need, you know, because he didn't buy insurance through the rental car company. We need your insurance company so we can get this taken care of. And he's like, I didn't damage anything. So he calls the insurance company. Well, because the insurance company can't prove where the damage came from, and he was the last one under the rental agreements to have it, they went ahead and paid the eight grand under his insurance minus his deductible to get the $8,000 in damage fixed on the rental car. So that led into a huge discussion last week about rental cars, how to handle things properly, how do you do it on the front side? Do you buy their insurance? How does it work on your own insurance and so on? So I just thought we'd start from square one and go through the whole uh, rental car coverage and how that works. Yeah, so as long as you have full coverage on one car. Okay. So if you've if you got an older car and it's liability only and that's the only car you own and you go rent a car, you need to buy their insurance because your insurance will not carry over because you don't have comp and collision on a vehicle. 
So if you've got two cars, one's liability only, one's got comp and collision, you go to rent a car, your insurance is going to carry over just like in that situation you said. So you'd have your deductible, whether it's 500 or or 1000 The one thing that some people do buy and some people don't is the loss of use. So if you do get in an accident and that car's in the shop for three weeks, that company, Enterprise Hertz, whoever it is, right. could come after you for that saying— And typically they will. They've got to be able to prove it that they could have rented out. If they've got 10 other toy, white Toyota Camrys in the parking lot, I mean, I've never heard of anybody getting where they've come after them. If it's, I've never had a claim where it's been a long period claim, right. though. Typically, it's pretty fast. But right now, folks, with the lack of cars around the world— Literally, it's around the world, not just the U.S. And the lack of cars at rental agencies, you're renting cars now, by the way, that have a lot more miles and are older than they've ever been because they've just not been able to replace their fleet. If there's ever going to be a time you're going to get charged for that lack of use or that lack of rental, it's going to be now, folks. I can already I can yep. already warn you on that right now. That's, that's probably going to happen. And that's something that your own insurance company is not going to cover, right? We don't cover loss of use. You no. don't cover that. You're Nobody going to come does. out of pocket on that one. Correct. Okay. Unless you – now – Here's a question for you, Paul, and I know every rental car company does things a little differently state to state. Typically, it's the same each state, each rental car company. But can you separate out what insurance – because I don't typically buy the insurance. I don't even look at it. I just like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Get me out of here. What can you do separation-wise on the rental agreement itself as far as insurance? I would think you could, but I've never bought – can you buy liability only? Can you buy loss of use only? Can you buy... I think it's just one big package. Like I know with us, with Ampac, if you use Enterprise, we have an agreement with them that they will not come after you for loss of use. Okay. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's been, gosh, for 10, 15 years now we've done it that way. Okay, I didn't know that. So you guys kind of have a deal with them. That <clears throat> makes a decision for us when we rent a car. Like, yeah, that's, yeah that, I didn't know that. That's, that's big cool. news. Why but, don't you tell me that before now? <laughs> you never asked. They never asked. Well, there's a, that's the thing with all this stuff. There's so much there's, stuff. There's too much to know. Yeah, there's too much to know. That's a great, though. That's a great tip. Well, and the one thing that I, you know, with us, we give you your 25% of your money back every year from the third year on of being claim-free on home and auto. So, and I never thought of this until about two years ago. A lot of people that are in the cashback program that rent cars will buy the extra insurance to preserve their cash back because they're in a state they don't know. They're driving a car they're not familiar with. It's not garage, so if they get hail damage because they're out in Oklahoma in the summertime. That's a good point. So you're getting $2,000 back, and you're renting a car for four days. It's worth the extra 100 bucks or whatever you're going to spend. Yeah, probably is at that point. And I think that's a good decision to make. Uh, I actually didn't think about that. The people that I had that did it, they were in a softball tournament in Oklahoma, hail damaged the car and totaled it out. And she's telling me about so it. So then lose a rebate. So then lose a rebate. Really? And then, you know, between the softballs and the, and the hail coming down, <laughs> that car didn't have a chance. E- even, though that, <laughs> even though that wasn't their car and... Because it's a claim because yeah. we're covering it. Sure. That sucks. So I never looked at it that way until they did it yeah, then. Yeah, great like, That's point. Great. You just made me think about something. Great point. All right. That's why you're here. <laughs> we'll come right back. Jeff and Westminster, hang tight. We'll be right back. This is a Drive Radio, KLZ 560. This month at Geno's Auto Service in Littleton, receive a new set of windshield wipers with any service over $50. It won't be long before the cold weather returns, so now is a good time to make sure your vehicles are serviced and in good condition. At Geno's, any maintenance or repair work on your vehicle comes with a Napa Peace of Mind warranty, covering parts and labor for 36 months or 36,000 miles. 
To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. This month only, take advantage of free windshield wipers with any service over $50 when you mention this ad on KLZ. For over 38 years, Geno's has been serving customers all along the front range. Geno's is AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon in Littleton. Be sure to check out Geno's excellent Google reviews. Stop in or visit them online at genosautoservice.com. That's Geno's with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. KLZ's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law has a unique background that makes him a more effective advocate for you. He handles both criminal and civil cases. Most attorneys only do one or the other, but Kevin has almost 25 years of experience on both sides, which means he has more practice in the courtroom. Most personal injury attorneys will say they have experience in court, but since only about 10% of personal injury cases actually go to trial, those attorneys only appear in court once or twice a year. Because Kevin also takes criminal cases, he appears in court constantly. Kevin has a rare ability to present an argument that only comes from years of experience learning how to read a courtroom. KLZ's personal injury attorney continues to practice both civil and criminal defense because he believes the courtroom keeps him nimble. Trial tested, trial ready. Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law. Schedule a free consultation now at 303-806-8886. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. Jeff in Westminster, you're next. What's going on, Jeff? Yeah, I have a 2006 Lexus ES330. I was going to clean the mass airflow sensor on it with this can I bought at the store. And it says, uh, not, uh, if you have a current vortex airflow sensor, uh, and some Lexuses don't use it. And and what's the reason for the cleaning in the first place? Jeff? Oh, just like to do what he wants to. I did about a year ago. Don't. I alcohol. Don't. Last time. Leave it. Yeah, that's you too know. often. Yeah, leave it alone. You, yeah. you, if you did it then, you don't need to mess with it. Leave it alone. Okay. So don't yeah. use the spray then? Nope. Don't do anything with it. You, you actually run more risk of damaging it and having issues that way than just leaving it alone. All right. But they should be All self-cleaning. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. These, these late model ones are heated which keeps the element, you know, really clean because it heats the, all the junk uh-huh. and stuff off of it anyways. So the reality okay. is the, the cleaning of it, unless there is a running problem, a drivability problem, don't mess with it. Uh-huh. Okay. I hope that when I cleaned it the first time, it was kind of black and I cleaned it off. Yeah, and could be, but again, unless you've, unless you've got some sort of a drivability issue, rule of thumb on mass airflow sensors are leave them alone. 
By the way, same issue when it comes to an air filter. Unless you know it's plugged up, leave it alone. The more you the more you dink with that box, the worse off we are. Leave all that stuff alone. Because dirt's going to get on the mask. Dirt's going to get in. Leave it alone. The biggest issues I've ever found in the industry, Jeff, are people that mess with the air box far far more often than they need to. It doesn't need looked at every oil change. It doesn't need looked at monthly. It doesn't need looked at Mm -hmm. other than maybe once every three years at, at the soonest. Oh, right. Okay. All right. And I'm being serious. That, that's really the, the way to look at that is that and I learned a lot when we had k as one mm-hmm. of our major sponsors here. And the reality is most problems come from people over-servicing the air box, the air filter, and so on. Best bet, just leave it alone. I think the tip they gave us once was uh, a little dirty is pretty good on those. <laughs> leave it alone. You're better off just not messing with it. Uh, and I realize a lot of shops will look at that every single time the you know the oil change is done but it got the point with us and this has been now 10 years ago in our shop back then we got the point where if you could look through the air box in, you know entrance with a flashlight and you could see what the element looked like at that point if it was fair you know if you could look in and you could see it was clean we didn't even undo the air box because of everything we're talking about because it's just not worth getting the air box open because as i've learned in the other business that i have the more the air box is open the bigger risk you have of dirt getting into the engine than if you just leave it alone especially little grass clippings you don't need they anything in the engine up just, so bad. you <laughs> just leave it be so frank and loveland you're next hello john thanks for taking my call sure i used to deal with uh, demirs in longmont yes. but they're gone they are gone yeah. so who I want to get struts put on my wife's Honda Accord. Honda Accord, yeah, Honda CRB. Okay. And uh, it's got about 140,000 miles. It's got the original struts. Okay. So I, I'm assuming it might need struts. I got a quote from Big O for Lifetime Monroe at 1000 bucks. I'm not too concerned about the price. I'm concerned about the brand. What do you folks recommend? The Monroe's not a bad brand. Uh, that's that's typically what you're going to find in a lot of shops, including even the dealership when they're buying, because frankly they don't build struts either. So even if you went and bought the original uh, CRV struts, Tenneco builds, which is Monroe. Tenneco builds probably. I'm guessing, but I'm I'll bet you they build 80 percent of the suspension around the world, by the way, not just in the United States of America, Frank. So the chances of even a lot of the factory struts and shocks being a Tenneco uh, manufactured is really high. Now, do you want to stay up in Loveland and get the work done? Yeah, I was going to say, because Josh, you know, Josh down at Legacy Automotive in Boulder, which isn't that far from, if you're going to go to Demir's, you're another, you know, 20 minutes over to see Josh in Boulder. He's on the east side of Boulder. You could go see Josh in Boulder and he'd take care of you. I may end up doing that. I, I would, of course, have to leave the car because of that. He has, he has loaner cars, Frank, that he could put you in a loaner car, and you could do all that. It's very easy. Oh, okay. And what's the name of his shop? Uh, Legacy Automotive in Boulder. Legacy. Legacy. And do you recommend uh, the quick strut? The quick struts work very well, although on that one you may want to look at does, does the um, – does the vehicle need springs in the front on the struts itself, or can you tell? At 140K, it's going to be iffy one way or the other. Well, they can tell me then. I can, yeah. I, and I would have him look at that, because if you need springs, then you just need to do the whole strut assembly. Okay. 
Okay, and he can, and he can tell you. Deal. And Thank by the way, he much. can align it and do everything you need to, Frank. He's got all the latest and greatest of that as well. Okay. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Frank. I appreciate it. Go see Josh. He'll take great care of you. One of, one of my uh, coaching clients as well. So I know Josh very, very well, and he'll take great care of you. Uh, Craig and Wheatridge, you're up, sir. Hey, John. Good morning. How are we doing? All right. I was at the car wash yesterday, ran into some of my buddies, and, of course, the conversation came to – you know, the gas prices, and one of the guys was bragging about how Costco had such cheap gasoline, which my comment was, is it top tier? Because I've never yes. purchased it there. Yes, it is. It is, okay. And he asked me, well, what is top tier gasoline? And I said, well, as far as I know, it's just a better grade of gasoline, probably has detergents, uh, things keep your car running. It, it, yeah, better. it meets. It, the best way to explain that is it meets a standard in the fuel business that has been set by auto manufacturers themselves, GM, BMW, and others being some of those, and they meet that high standard that not every grade of fuel does. Okay, and then, of course, the next question is, well, how do you know this? And I said, well, I've got a friend that has a radio show, and uh, he recommends that you use the top tier all the time, and then he wanted to qualify you as to, well, how do you know and I said, well, you've got a fleet of trucks that you maintain, and you've been in the automotive business for years. So My whole life. Anybody knows you do. So Yeah, and I can tell you, after going through all of the different you know, generations of cars through the years, I mean, I started working on vehicles, believe it or not, when I was about 14. Uh, Opal was actually the first brand of vehicle that I worked on. Back then, all we had were carburetors, and even then fuel was a big factor especially with carburation uh, the fuel injection actually made things a little bit easier when it came to fuel and quality and so on but you know we have been fighting quality of fuel in our industry literally since the 70s and and i'm getting a nod out of steve yeah, over here yeah, remember we, you used to get water and uh, the gas we've been fighting thing. it forever oh, yeah. so you know having somebody come along and actually put a standardization on fuel itself and knowing that there's an a quality there if you would you know a grading system on fuel that frankly in the 70s and 80s we didn't have craig so when top tier came along it was really sort of a godsend if you would and the manufacturers really are the ones that forced that top tier because they were having drivability issues from all of the different types of fuel in the market they then started recommending to their customers use this particular type of fuel only at least they knew then they had a standard that they could work off of for their drivability that's where top tier came from okay and then next question was he mentioned that uh, the governor of the state of Colorado wants to adopt the emission standards of California. I think that had that's already, been, already done. been done. That's a done deal. That's a done deal because that's what Hickenlooper's last. Correct. And he actually he actually d- doubled down on that and went one step further than even Hickenlooper did. So, yes, that's okay. a done deal. Now, how is that going to affect us? I mean, he's got some older, you know, like your street rods and, and stuff like that. So he's kind of concerned whether he can even – well, it's more of a it's, it's more of a what new cars will be able to be sold in the state. Although, uh, I heard this through the grapevine the other day, and this is something that I was going to pass on. Now's a great time to do so. You know, currently, for example, in the state of Colorado, we have a a metro area emissions program. There's talk that that will go to a statewide emissions program. We also have a diesel emissions program right now where you can't do any of the drive-by testing, and it's a metro area only. There's talk of it going to a drive-by for diesel vehicles as well and also becoming statewide also. So a lot of you guys that are driving 
you know, diesel trucks that you've either tuned up or you've taken all of the emissions devices off of and so on, and you may live in Grand Junction or you may live outside of our area in Colorado Springs, for example, you may very well in the not-too-distant future find yourself having to get an emissions test because that's part of that proposal or that executive order, I should say, Craig, that he's instituted. Yeah. And, and the other area that you're going to – so you have a car that has a catalytic converter that needs replaced that, you know, maybe that's an 80s or something. You'll have to put on a converter that is California equipped. Equip. And that's already there now. So you, you, even now. So, you, you know, what you could buy a year ago is now double or a couple $300 more than what you're buying, what you're buying now because we have to buy now, a California quit. Correct. You mentioned catalytic converters. Uh, the police blog – uh, most of the Denver Municipal Police Departments are recommending that you get your catalytic converters etched. Yes, we do that. Mm-hmm. I do that at my shop. Now, what is what is your thinking behind that? Is that going to do you any good if somebody steals your catalytic converter? How are you ever going to track that down? And, and why are these recycling centers even taking catalytic that, converters? That's so frustrating. I heard this from a police officer the other day, too. And, and what it, the etching is hopefully... A deterrent if they see it's etched hopefully they can't resell it they can't sell it to somebody because they see the etching and say okay or I can't. they see that it's been ground off or whatever yeah you can't grind it off yeah it's not probably that, yeah, that hard it's not but i also heard the police officer was telling me that they're actually <laughs> taking them and shipping them out of state and selling them that way now instead of selling them to the normal so the re- the recyclers here may not be taking them but right. they may be finding another state maybe they're taking that. a truckload to texas or i agree with that oklahoma <laughs> or somewhere i don't know and, and my, and my thing way. on the etching, and I'll get, you know, because Steve's doing this as part of that program, I think it's a really great way to keep an honest guy a little more honest. But the hardcore thief that's looking for catalytic converters, he's chopping them off and sending them out, and he didn't care one way or the other. That's my thought. Yeah. Am and, I and, right, and, Steve? And, yeah, and I don't charge for it. I, you know, I mean, it's if you just come in and make me do I'll charge 25 bucks. So you come in for an oil change, I'll do it for free. Right. I'm just doing what I can. service. Just trying to – maybe again, I can put it Is it, it keeping dense? an honest guy honest where if they yeah. look underneath there and they see it etched yeah. and the one next door is not, are they going to jump on the one that's not versus that one? Yeah. I mean, it's like keeping your door locked and not having the neighbor lock theirs, Craig. But is it going to deter it fully? No. I've been I've been trying to get my customers that I tell them that need catalytic converters go park it somewhere that gets stolen. At get, least then you can turn to insurance. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've stolen a bad cat and you get a new one. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, that's all I had. No, you're good. And by the way, for everybody listening, uh, and I can I can uh, come back and talk about this a little bit more if need me. But uh, yeah, Governor Polis signed a major climate change bill that was topped or that was uh, championed by top Democrat Democrat lawmakers and environmental groups. Uh, it is Bill twenty one twelve sixty six. It's a measure strengthening regulations on greenhouse gas emissions in several key sectors. Uh, requiring a variety of new environmental justice efforts at the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. And there's all sorts of things that are in that. So if you want to go look that up for yourself, you can. It's Bill 21-1266. And then there's also the executive orders and other things that he did that that we were just talking about a moment ago uh, as well. So hang tight, guys. We'll come right back. Phil and Decono, Mike and Highlands Ranch. We'll be right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Ken's and Leslie distributing your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. As you've probably noticed, the fall is upon us. Now we call it fall not just because the leaves are falling, but the temperature is falling as well. So this week, we want to make sure that we're talking about your engine cooling system. 
Yep, that's right, the cooling system. Because the cooling system in your car does so much more than just cool the engine. Your coolant also acts as a lubricant and protects key engine components. But the reason that it's so important to check your coolant before the temperature gets too cool is that your engine depends on the coolant to keep it from freezing. So, before fall turns too cold, make sure that you have the cooling system in your car checked and that your car is ready to make it through another cool Colorado winter. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Ken's and Leslie. We'll talk to you again next week. I heard about Novus Glass on John Rush's Rush to Reason radio show, and I know that John would not go with a company that he did not believe was a great company to work with. And so with him backing Novus Auto Glass, we felt confident that that was a good company. When I called them, I was looking for mobile service out to Albert County, and they were very accommodating. My insurance company initially told me that they were not a preferred provider with our insurance company. And they went above and beyond with doing a three-way call with my insurance company and got everything squared away to replace three windshields for us without any money out of our pocket except for our deductible. I can't think of another windshield replacement company that we've ever worked with that has been like Novus. I would call them every time now when we need a windshield replaced. klzradio.com forward slash glass. Your teenager is your biggest financial risk. You buy reliable auto insurance in part to protect yourself from financial loss in case you get in a wreck with large repair expenses for your own vehicle. But you also buy reliable auto insurance to protect yourself from lawsuits. Now, you might not think you make enough money to be at risk of getting sued, but you do have a teenager who drives your car. Let's pose a little scenario that we heard from a real KLZ listener. Your granddaughter is driving your car and gets in a major wreck. You do have auto insurance, but it's not enough coverage. You only have the state minimums. So the other person's insurance company comes after you personally for everything they can get. For years afterward, part of your paycheck goes towards paying someone else's bills. With the right coverage, this could have been avoided. Get the auto coverage you need from Paul Lewinberger of American National Insurance. Call 303-662-0789. 303-662-0789. You don't need a new air conditioner. You just need to get rid of that dead rodent clogging up the wheel. The technicians at Absolute Electrical, Heating, and Air complete a thorough inspection before making any recommendations. They'll show you the photos to prove it. You know that feeling when you get a copy of a checklist that a technician supposedly completed, but you're not so sure? After a competitor told one customer they'd need a new air conditioner, Absolute came out for a second opinion. Once they opened up the unit, they found a dead rodent stuck in the wheel. They took a picture to show the homeowner. Then they got the rodent out. No new air conditioner needed. You can imagine how grateful the customer was to save thousands of dollars on an unnecessary replacement. Absolute Electrical, Heating, and Air includes photos in all of their reports because you need to see for yourself that you can trust them. Call the team that has nothing to hide. 720-526-0231. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical, Heating, and Air. This is Greg Bloom with Barber's Foods. Hey, one of the questions I get asked most often is, Greg, how do I get a restaurant-quality steak at home? 
Now, I do wish sincerely that each of you would buy your steaks from Barber's Foods at barbersfoods.com as we do sell some great quality Colorado-raised Angus steaks. But if you're going to shop at a retail store to start with, never buy your steaks from the full-service meat counter because for a steak to be worth eating, it needs to be wet-aged or dry-aged for at least 14 to 21 days, just like they do at a restaurant. Now, steaks cut and displayed in a full-service meat case, they're not aged. And that's because retailers need shelf life. So they've been removed from their vacuum-sealed package and put out there for display. To know how to find a great restaurant-quality steak anywhere you go at any retail store, go to barbersfoods.com and click on the Videos tab to see a short video I made for you of what to look for when you buy steaks. Again, it's barbersfoods.com. All right, we're back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Phil in Dakota, you're next. Yeah, I got some engineering questions. Sure. Uh, you guys design cars there, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We retrofit lots of things. Yeah. Let's just say that. We, we complain about the design. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we after the fact engineer, yes. <laughs> wheel wells on pickups. Why have I got four inches of travel and ten inches of wheel well? Ooh. Well... If you look at where the actual you know, two things number one where the actual bump stop is and the the you know the wheel travel itself you've got to realize that that bump stop will even compress some so when you say that much travel you've got to add back in that bump stop and you know if you had that thing totally full and it was all the way squashed down and I don't know what their rule of thumb is for extra clearance but I'm guessing they're going to give you another four or five inches of clearance on top of that for things like mud snow tire chains things along those lines to make sure you've got enough clearance for all of that even in that rare condition but even with my stock tires if that thing goes beyond four inches or oh yeah six inches whatever it's going to hit the outside of the uh yep. You're right. Well, before it goes up inside. The other reason I think they do that, and again, I'm not an engineer, but I believe part of that is also a lot of those pickup beds, they've designed little notches on the wheel wells themselves to where you can put two by fours across the bed all the way to it. And for a lot of the construction guys, you can double deck the floor that way to where they can put four bay sheets of plywood above the wheel well, have it all the way flat, and then put other things underneath it. So they do the wheel well configuration to partially handle that as well, Phil. So you don't think it has anything to do with uh, air circulation, aerodynamics? No. That's the no. only thing I could think I of. I think for oh, years okay. and years, the majority of those have been designed to really accommodate more of what I just said in regard to how they use the bed itself. And then, of course, giving enough clearance for chains and so on. But you're right. The, the front and rear clearance is far going to uh, uh, hamper your ability in that area as the depth of the wheel well itself will. Okay. And then, uh, uh, what's the difference between break-in oil and regular oil? Not too much break-in oil around anymore. I mean, there's there is some, uh, you know, if you're building an old car with you know a flat type of camshaft, there are some break-in oils that you can run on some of the older engines. I've got some on my shelf for some of the projects we do around our shop, you know, around my home shop, I should say, you know, my dad and uncle and so on. But when it comes to actual modern engines, that break-in oil with a roller lifter camshaft and so on is pretty much a thing of the past. I just I've seen some uh, break-in oil uh, at real cheap. I was wondering if a guy could use it for regular oil. No, no, it has actually got things in it that you would not want to keep in there forever. In fact, they'll even tell you on the break-in oil to run it so many either miles or hours or what have you, and then you change it out, and put regular oil in. So it's not meant to be in there for very long, anyways. 
Okay. And then on the catalytic converters, what uh, what do you think of uh, making a requirement, a law, that you have to have registration to sell a, a cat? Yeah, I mean, I guess they could get to that point. I mean, I'm not a guy that likes extra laws, although there are sometimes laws are good, although I've known our government in far too many situations to where no matter what they do, it still doesn't come out right, and it just ends up being more hoops for the normal guy to jump through because the criminal's going to be a criminal, going to be a criminal, and it doesn't make any difference at the end of the day anyways. Because usually if you scrap out your uh, vehicle, they want the cat on there at the junkyard. Correct. They want that cat. So want you're that. not going to cut it off. That's right. They want that value. Sell it separate. That's right. Yep. Yeah, they, yeah, they want the value coming out of that to offset, you know, some of the rest of what they're not going to get out of the vehicle. So, you know, you are correct. And, you know, again, would a law making every recycler be registered with the state? Well, most recyclers already are. When it comes to the guy k- taking the cat from the shop to the recycler and making him become registered, I think that's it's a nice thought, no, Phil, mean, but it's never going to change anything. The vehicle registration. You have to show that you took that cat from a car that's registered yeah. to you, is what I meant. Yeah. Um, good luck. Good, good, hand, you know, again, I mean, these are all great thoughts, but the enforcement of it becomes almost impossible. Yeah, that's, that's what the I was problem. wondering. It's like, that's the issue. Etching it, like you said, I can't see etching it that does anything. If he's got a saw to cut it off, he's got a grinder to remove the etching. True. And again, all it all it's doing is keeping that guy that might think about doing it. He looks at one vehicle that has it, looks at another vehicle that doesn't, realizes, wait a minute, I can get by the, this one a whole lot easier than I can that one. I'll go steal the other one instead if he's just going down the line. That's all it's doing. Yeah. Okay. You're 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 right on the money, Phil. No, appreciate it very much, and I think that was a, a great way of saying it a moment ago. Uh, Mike Highlands Ranch, you're next. Uh, John, exceptional show today. Very informative. Uh, Thank you. Really, really learned a ton. Uh, the the loss of use uh, on insurance. I had no thoughts about that at all. That was absolutely a gem. Yep, and 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 they will they will especially now. Uh, as Paul said earlier, in the past where they've got multiple vehicles on a lot and they've got to prove that they actually have loss of use on that particular unit you rented, it, it would have been much higher back then. In today's world, though, where there's a lack of cars to even rent in most cases, yes. uh, yeah, I can guarantee you right now they're going to come after you for loss of use. Oh, no, I, I get it. It's just wonderful knowledge to know. And, and I would suggest to Paul, I don't know if he's still there, but... And, and you, not that it, that you, you're not all over it, but any type time we can all get more information about uh, the changes in insurance and and how to interpret all of that, I think is time well spent and and well done on your part. Well, and, and, and as you know, we try to bring as much. You know, education to everybody so they can use this universally across the board. That's what we've been doing here for, you know, 20-plus years. And I appreciate yep. you saying that because I, I hope other people, you know, realize some of that information that we give out. And I'm not knocking anybody else out there on any other, you know, programs or television or whatever. But I can tell you, Mike, from looking at a lot of other what I would consider to be competitors of ours across the country that try to do similar things, I do feel like we bring as much solid, valuable day-to-day information to our listeners as anybody else does. Agreed and well put. One more question. Uh, the air filter uh, thing that you mentioned caught my attention uh, instantly because I'm, I'm such a maintenance geek, and um, I tend to, uh, not every oil change by any stretch, 
But but here's some interesting thoughts, and I, I want your thoughts on it. Uh, when I look at what the factory suggests in its maintenance manuals as to uh, changing the air filter, changing the, the cabin filter, uh, changing the shock absorbers, the transmission fluid, et cetera, et cetera. I find those uh, uh, way uh, more than I would normally do uh, uh, is that I would prefer the maintenance at. Um, and so uh, the fact that you said you shouldn't touch the air filters much, and I recognize that depends on use. True. And, and there are times when I've, I've had some heavy use with my air filters that I've, I've done them sooner, but the factory in, in my case on, on the air filters in my vehicles, it runs anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 miles. Mm -hmm. uh, and I tend to think that I ought to change them every 15. And it really comes down to you, how you drive, where you're driving, and the filter itself. I mean, that same rule of thumb that's always been there. If you can shine a flashlight through the filter, see through it, especially on a paper element filter, it's right. still good to go, no reason to change it. When it comes to the cleanable element filters like AFE and K&N and so on, rule of thumb there is, is unless you can't see the wire mesh, leave it alone. Okay, well, let me, let me ask for a little bit more detail. When you pull that box off, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you're exposing the mass airflow sensor, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and so by virtue of that, you're, re you're, you're changing the seal that you have there. Okay, I get it now. And, and Mike, too, the other thing that I've learned over the years, and my dad taught me this because of the other business I own, and we do, you know, everything from you know running skid steers to parking lot sweepers that are literally running in a sea of dust you know cloud of dust the entire time they're operating i mean i just learned over the years even from him that you're better off not messing with those unless there's unless you know they're clogged and there's a problem or it's on your regular routine schedule but to just in my case for example i've got sweepers that'll run in that that dirt like that and at one time i mean i think i was checking them on a weekly basis he finally came on and said no stop doing that you're actually you have a possibility of introducing more dirt in than if you just leave those things alone let them go there you know two or three month time frame that we typically use and don't mess with them you've got you know less chance of harming the engine itself and in some cases on my sweepers there's two there there's an auxiliary engine and the main engine you're actually harming it more by checking it than if you just left it alone let me uh, uh, by the way if, if pardon me for asking one more question sure no you're fine so when you look at these air box intakes or uh, uh, air filter intakes normally there has there are there's one entrance for the air to be pulled into the filter or two uh, or two Right. Depends are on where those, they're. Sometimes they'll pull it from the fender, and then they'll pull it from, uh, you know, a warmer place to help engine warm up. It just depends on the configuration and the engineer that designed it. Right. And I'm more thinking about where the air box takes it in, and that is, in the old days, uh, you would have an air filter that had uh, an intake, and where the air came in, it would be really filthy. The right. rest filter would be clean as hell that's right and if you think about today and you bring up a great point something we've never probably talked about mike the fact that we're actually pulling fresh air in through a fender or the front of the grill and areas that just aren't as contaminated as what they once were before as far as the inside of the 
engine compartment goes itself. We are keeping the filter itself much cleaner now than we were even, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So the reality is they just don't need changed as often as they did even back then. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm, I was thinking if, okay, I shine a flashlight in there, it looks like hell. I open it up and I go, well, the rest of the filter looks great. Right. <laughs> one spot. You'll, you'll notice on most of these late model filters, unless the engine itself and some create more blowback than others on shutoff, and I don't want to get into all those details, that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself, but unless it's that type of an engine, typically I'm not joking, Mike, you can run an air filter 40-50K pretty easily today. Is that right? Okay, yes. well that's that's great stuff. And uh, one other thing, by the way, enjoy the article I sent you on the new LT6 I will do that motor i will do that i actually put my name on one of those i don't know if i'll ever see it but i put my name on one we'll see how it goes well i think you'll enjoy the the uh, the intricacies of that new motor and Thanks. i did send you a, a i'll give it up here uh for another person but i think you'll enjoy the perfect about that i'll read it i appreciate it. mike thanks for all you sent me i do appreciate it very much we'll be right back dennis you're next keith hang tight you're right after that drive radio klz 560 most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. No one likes to be that person. You know the one, stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person, ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold Certified Auto Care Shop and employs ASC Certified Technicians. So don't be that guy, and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555, or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. All right, Drive Radio, we're hopping right onto the phone. Dennis, what's going on, sir? Hey, John, uh, follow-up to uh, last week's call. I turned my rental in yesterday, and the clerk that I had inspect the vehicle never even looked underneath. Really? And afterwards, at the desk, I told him that story about Vegas, and his jaw dropped. He couldn't believe it. But uh, in addition to all the good advice last week, and I love the low-limit credit card, that was great advice. Okay. 
but I think people that do that use the express drop-off are opening themselves up for a situation like that as well. I don't know that I can argue with that one at all, Dennis. I mean, I think the only exception to that might be if you're one of their premier renters and you're renting on either a you know weekly or monthly basis and they've got a pretty good history with you and knowing how you turn cars back in and so on i doubt very seriously if that person's going to have any issues but for that guy that rents only on vacation or you know two or three times a year i think you better watch your p's and q's absolutely absolutely but great suggestions last week on how to prevent that thank you Uh, i got a question on a 08 ford ranger yes uh but Bought it pre-owned, and after about a year, it has started to develop a, a situation where it eats a fuse about once a month. Hmm. And that circuit, uh, well, first of all, I get a ABS warning light and a brake warning light on the dash. The uh, overdrive uh, selector won't work. The turn signals won't work, and the cruise control won't work. Okay. I'm wondering if there's a, possibly a uh, service bulletin on that or who you would recommend. Wait, and which fuse is it? What does it operate? All of those? Yes. Is it, is it, what's it labeled? I don't remember. I'd have to look in the owner's manual. Uh, so my, one of those strings are pulling it. Or when, that's, when that fuse is out, do the brake lights work? Uh, yes, they do. So the brake lights come on, but everything else doesn't. Anywhere from the ABS pump failing to that overdrive switch failing, any one of those things, or a wiring issue. But there might be a known thing. You're more actually, you're more than welcome to call me on Monday. I'll I'll look it up real quick, and I'll I'll look to see if there's a uh, TSB or something. TSB on. or uh, an Identifix may have something on yeah, it. The other know. thing too, given the fact you're not the original owner, have you looked underneath to make sure you don't see anything that maybe got pinched with somebody did you know, did a transmission or anything weird like that? There's no wires pinched or anything along those lines. I haven't yet, uh, but it o- it seems to only happen. When I start the vehicle and back it out of the garage, that's when this fuse lets loose. Weird. And we so have could be the backup lights too. Brake, um, the brake pedal switch, and I believe the transmission selector switch. Mm-hmm. We've replaced those to try to eliminate this, but it. I'm it guessing still it's does in it a, a month. I'm guessing it's either an actual component, like Steve said, or a wire that is going to ground someplace. Especially if it's in the you know if someone added a trailer. Trailer wiring is always the culprit, you know. <laughs> well, that's why I asked if no. all the lights work, because if they're all still working, then that would lead me maybe down a different path. Although, I would almost have somebody behind you making sure that all of those lights are working correctly when you back out to make sure there's not something weird going on there as well. Yeah, we've done that. And when this fuse lets loose, the turn signals don't work, mm. but the lights and brake lights still work. Do they do the turn signals stop altogether from that point forward, or is it just momentarily they stop? Uh, there's no turn signal whatsoever on the dash until you the put front, the fuse the back, in. Until you put the fuse in. Does it have trailer wiring on it? Yes, and it's factory. It hasn't been altered. Uh, does it have the T-tap in it, or is it straight wired? Because I don't remember on those how they did those. It's been a long time since I worked on one of those. Uh, it came with a receiver, and I'm guessing that it's uh, it came from the factory that way. But yeah. I'll look. Look underneath, and if it's got the T tap, which even some of the factory ones did, unhook the T, 
hook it back up without it and see if it changes anything. Okay. Would that be on that same fuse and circuit? Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yep. All right. Good advice. I will try that. Try that and see if that changes anything. Okay. Thanks, right. John. You bet, Dennis. Appreciate it very much. Keith in Aurora, we've got a couple of minutes before the top of the hour. If it gets any longer, I'll hold you over, but let's get started. Okay. I got a 2001 Pathfinder, and uh, when I started to turn it off, uh, if I pulled the key out real quickly, it'd go, you know, a ding, ding, ding. So I stick the key back in and turn it all the way off again and pull it out. So... I came out the other day, and all it would do is go click, 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 click. So I thought, well, damn, the battery's gone bad. So I took the battery out and had it tested, and it tested very well. So I put it back in and came out the next morning, and the battery battery was totally dead. So is there something in the in the switch wiring or a new switch needed? Well, there's a couple problems. Uh, one, I don't know. I don't. Uh, the testing of the battery, I. I want to do a couple different tests to just verify because not always just because they tested at a store doesn't mean they test right. it right right what it is one of the things that we chase a lot of tail that way or chasing right. around our tail chasing our tail that way well i um, put it to napa and they ran a series of tests on it so i don't know sure and then the, uh, right the other thing obviously if, if if the battery is good then you're something's draining it as you're sitting there um so is, is, it, is it that warning you know that your keys it thinks your key is still in there yeah very possible and that, that's where we'd have to go for the testing there to see what's pulling it down, hook up some meters to see okay. how much amperage, how much voltage it's really pulling, and then decide. But, so yeah, there's something. What would the test like that run? Um, I, it, I would, in my shop, it's a minimum of an hour, which is about 125. Okay. And if you find something like the switch? Uh, then it's the repairs on whatever. that. Sometimes I include the repair on that. Depends on what we find. If we find that it's just a wire that's not connected right, and we just fix it easy or something, then then I include it. it just depends on the situation. I don't have a blanket. Okay. You know, each car's different. That's why I kind of change for that. But I think it's an on that kind of a thing. I would plan on that. It might be less too, to be honest with you. Um, but I would plan on an hour okay. of, of, of a good mechanics time to check that out. Okay. And that would be the other All thing right. too. Or Ken, you know, you're out in Aurora. I know Ken can yeah, handle that. He could too. do it too. Yeah. He would he would be your closer option. Something's staying on though, most likely. Yeah. Okay, but who is that? Ken. Ken Rackley, Tune Tech Automotive. Colfax Col- Col- and 225. Okay. He's on the website as well, Keith. Okay. Drive-radio.com. All right, very good. You bet. All right, I'll check it out if I can get it up there. I guess okay. I have to have him pulled up there. Sounds okay. great. Thanks. No, appreciate it very much. And uh, all right. That's going to pretty much do it for the second hour. we got another full hour coming your way. Lines are open. If you want to call in and get queued up for the top of the hour, we can sure do that. We're going to come back talk more insurance with Paul. If you need questions specifically for Paul, please ask us, 303-477-5600. There's a few more things on the rental car side of the fence we want to cover as well with Paul, some things we've even learned as we've even studied a few things here uh, just going through the program as we do. So stay stay. Stay tuned. We're not going to be gone very long. We'll be right back. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments. Download previous programs and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.